0: Mets are on their way back world champions for the 27th time home plate for all things major league baseball this is the nosebleeds podcast on WFUV sports
1: Welcome into Nosebleeds, WFUV's exclusive baseball podcast. I am joined by Lauren Mondaruli and Owen Kelty today. And a lot is going on in the baseball world, as we know, especially in New York, which is where this radio station and this podcast resonates from. And a lot of different things we could talk about, but the glaring headline, the New York Yankees, and Domingo Herman this week, this past Wednesday, in their eleven nothing win through a perfect game, twenty seven up, twenty seven down, and he did it on ninety nine pitches, which we can allude to later. The Yankees definitely need their ninety nine back, but Domingo Herman. Oh, and I'll start with you. What have you seen? I mean, when you look at
2: how he did those last two series, uh, two games he had pitched in. 10 runs and seven runs given up. So he's always been, as a Yankee, like back and forth kind of guy. I mean, 2019, he had that 19 win season and then gets suspended. But then ever since he's come back from that, he's really just been an inconsistent guy throughout the years. He's flirted with no hitters and perfect games more than any other Yankee pitcher has. So not really surprising to me that it was him to do it of any of the Yankee pitchers, but in general, like, you look around the MLB and all the talent, and it's kind of Domingo Herman that does it. It was kind of surprising. But that game kind of against the A's, like, 7 nothing around, like, the fifth inning. No one's really – everyone's, you know, late game. You're starting to get ready to go to bed, and then next thing you know, you look at the box score, and it's, he's got a perfect game going. Then I was like, oh, so now you're staying up. You're watching the perfect game. And for me, I thought it was just – he had everything going for him. I mean, it's the A's, but obviously perfect game. Anyone else, Everyone else is playing the A's this year. And probably one of the hardest things to do in sports. So I thought it was extremely perfect, uh, impressive. And uh, as a Yankee fan, really enjoyed to watch it and see him make history.
3: I'm on the exact same page. I absolutely loved watching it. I'm a big Yankees fan. I love seeing Domingo Hermann come back to his roots especially since he gave up those 10 runs in his last start. And he came back from that sticky substance suspension and he did okay. And then he fell apart. And I'm just so glad to see him coming back. And I think him throwing that perfect game really inspired the Yankees to get their bats swinging because the A's weren't swinging. They were missing. And it's just incredible. The 24th in MLB history. Like I just can't wait to see what else he does this season because I don't see him having another slump. Like he has the past few months.
1: 100% right and yes it is the 24th perfect game in major league history it has not happened since 2012 and there was three that year Cole Humber Roy Holiday and Matt Kane. so it's been 11 years and I remember in 2012 thinking and people a lot of people did for the next few years all oh, the perfect game isn't as exciting anymore. You know, we just had three in a year. It's it, you know, it's baseball's losing its touch. The, these things are not as magical as they seem. No, they're magical, and it's been a it's been eleven years, a long time coming. Domingo Herman, the first Dominican-born player. Now, Pedro Martinez did have perfect game, which he took into the tenth inning in '95, but it was snapped in the tenth, so he does not count. But yeah, as you said, Owen, it's one of the rarest feats in sports, and how rare is it? If you had the beginning of any major league game, an average lineup versus an average pitcher, which we can say Domingo Herman probably is—he's five and five with basically a five ERA. No one expected him to throw a perfect game. They average lineup faces an average pitcher. It's point oh 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 nine eight three chance of throwing a wow. perfect game. It's one in every thirty-four seasons, if you do the math. So it's rare. It happened. It was, and as you said, Lauren, it might project the Yankees to go on and win the World Series and I can go on the record and say that I mean it's really one of those things every other perfect game in Yankees history they've gone on to win the World Series in that year so we'll see what happens the Yankees as a whole they do miss Aaron Judge that's something you know you can't ignore the timetable you know he's elected into the all-star game but You know, it's not looking likely that he'll play. The timetable is a little shaky as of now. So, Owen, I'm going to ask you, when do you want to see Aaron Judge back? And what can he really mean for this team when he's back? I
2: was really thinking, like, you got to wait until he's healthy enough that he can be himself unless you start falling out of a playoff spot. As long as you can maintain, like, a wild card spot until he comes back, I think you let him stay out until he's fully healthy and thinks he can be himself. But once you lose that spot, I really think you have to think about, like, you, not rushing him back, but at the point of where he can manage the pain and play. I mean, the last thing I saw, he was expected back around August 2nd or 3rd, which would have been a two-month injury, a couple of day, uh yeah, a couple of weeks after the All-Star break, so you kind of see what you have. If you have Stanton, Rizzo, DJ, all those bats get hot, Rodon come back, you might not need to rush him back because you're going to win your games, like. Obviously, he's a difference maker, but there's a lot of guys in that lineup that can make a difference. So as long as they're in a playoff spot, I don't think you need to rush Judge back. But if things start to fall apart, the lineup continues to not hit as they were the last few weeks before these last two series, then I think you really need to look at maybe rushing him back.
3: I I do not want to rush him back at all. He's only caught a ball this week. Like, that's all he's been able to do. And Aaron Boone's been saying, like, his swings are going to be the hardest thing to get back because he puts all his weight on his back foot which is the toe that is injured and like even the yanks like they're getting stronger now but without their captain in the lineup it's going to be a struggle so I am worried about them losing like their second place wild card spot right now but even if they stay in the third it'll be okay I think an August timelines, probably the greatest especially since Rizzo's getting hot right now the last seven games he's been batting 300 after his one for 27 streak earlier this month so with Rizzo getting hot again and even Volpe, he's been doing pretty great this past week. And with every like player swinging and hitting the ball, we'll be okay. okay.
1: Yeah, you're 100% right. Volpe has been coming around the past 20 games, 64 plate appearances, 281 average, 359 on base percentage, 474 slugging. I mean, he's one of four rookies in Yankee history since Alfonso Soriano at this point in the season to have 10 home runs, 15 stolen bases. So you guys know as well as anyone else, Volpe's... A-plus and stealing. And that's something that honestly has kept him around the big leagues and got him over that hump that now he's able to maybe, you know, continue to keep cooperating and continuing to help the Yankees in any way possible. But love what I'm seeing out of Volpe. Absolutely. Donaldson, I don't love what I'm seeing out of him. I'm going to continue to say it um, until he's DFA'd or just not even know. But 143, eight of his 11 hits have been home runs. I mean – Talk about, I don't know, lucky or just getting a hold of the ball, but 26 strikeouts in 24 games, to do the math, that's over one a game. I mean, I'm not a Donaldson hater. I just don't think he's that good. But at the end of the day, I'm not in the big leagues. None of us are, so we can't really talk. But IKF and Stanton, Lauren, as you said, um, absolutely, they've been coming around for the Yankees too. And as you said, Owen, when they get Rodon back, what's going to happen? I mean, this team – can really put the pieces together and go on a serious, serious run. And run, and I mean that. And, um, yeah, it's just a a lot of good things coming out. And for Volpe, too, four-game history. So he's another guy who uh, just continues to put bat on ball and get the job done for the Yankees in 45 and 36. Uh, You're a half game up on the Blue Jays, but the Orioles are four and a half up on the wild card in general. So that makes it four on you guys. So... The Orioles are having a magical season. The Yankees are as well, six and four in their last 10. We'll transition over to the Mets. Um, there's a lot of things we could say, uh, particularly about this season, but I want to just open the floor up to you guys. Lauren, if you want to start, what have you seen out of the Mets this year? And it's not pretty 36 and 45, 17 and a half games back in the division. 9 games back in the wild card.
3: It is depressing. It's I'm not a Mets fan so I am okay I'm okay with laughing at it, but as a New York sports fan this is embarrassing. How it's just not a good time to be a Mets fan in general and you had such high hopes for a good first half after your insane off and then you have bad luck with injuries and big players in slumps and then you have your messy fielding. You lost to the Phillies this past Sunday with Brett Beatty's error, you know, where he just completely misplayed the ball and threw it to not second base. And then Brigham giving up the lead in the eighth without giving up a hit. It just it looked like a little league game in Queens. And then Pete yeah. Alonso has a 19 at the last five games. But he's only gotten three hits in that time, which is insane. And you obviously can't blame, but when you're not, when the big slugger's not hitting, it's hard. Something started at least.
2: Yeah, this Mets season for me has just been extremely disappointing. You know, the Mets went into the season they had hundred and one wins last year, and you expected a lot, especially you expected them to contend in division, even with the Braves in there and the Phillies. But you really expected the Mets to be close in that division race, and especially compete for a World Series. And then, right off the bat, in the um. I can't remember the whatever it was that Edwin Diaz gets hurt right off the bat. And that's yeah. like, well, kind of class, yeah, well, yeah. baseball classic, I forgot the name, but right off the yeah. bat, it's like some your best put, one of your best pitcher bullpen pitchers is hurt. And then yeah. the Mets really didn't do anything to address the bullpen after that. Like you knew you were losing your best pitcher all year and you didn't go out and get like, you don't really need the big name pitchers. I mean, if you look at the Yankees bullpen, it's one of the best in the league, but there's a lot of, Not no-name guys, but you kind of find guys and make them better. Like the Mets didn't seem to do that, make a lot of signings in the bullpen. And that's been their biggest issue this year, I think, was their bullpen. But, I mean, you look around the lineup, you got guys that you're paying a lot of money that aren't doing what they should do. I mean, individually, they're having all right seasons, but it just feels like they haven't put it together as a team. And then Scherzer, Verlander, both 40 years old, aren't pitching to what they were last year. Which, I mean, you can – you don't – you never expect it. I mean, 40 years old, you expect him to regress, but not to the point of what they're doing now. And I don't really think you can put that on, like, the team in general. Like, I think it's more on, like, player performance, which when a lot of Mets fans, you know, hate on the manager. Like, I don't know how much a manager can get out of their players. So, I don't really know how you think. I know you're a Mets fan, so.
1: The worst team money could buy. John Harper (laughs) – Bob Klapich wrote that book in 1992, talking about the 1992 Mets, Bobby Bonilla, Eddie Murray, Willie Randolph, Brett Sabre. I mean, these guys that they brought in paid, well, at the time, $45 million was their payroll. It's not 355 obviously. But at the time, it was a lot of money. And I'm seeing very much of the same. This team is projected, I believe, right now to win only 72 games. It is not pretty in Queens at all. And they lost again last night. Another one-run game to the Brewers, dropping three out of four to the Brewers, which you could not have done coming into this series. Um, Just how important these teams are ahead of you because with the new scheduling, yeah, you play AL teams now, but you're playing the games against the teams that you need to play a lot of the time, especially for the Mets, how down in the standings they are. Everyone's above them, seemingly. So... You can't lose these games. Lauren, as you said, they lost two out of three to Philly, two out of three to Houston before that. And um, it's just, it's it's not pretty. Last year, the Mets, it took them until May 15th to lose a series. They've lost basically every single one in June. Actually, every single one in June. So, again, it's not pretty. And Marte last night, you have back-to-back chances with the bases loaded ground into a double play and then swing it the last three pitches of the game. It's like, it's just, it's tough. And Owen, you said, I mean, the Mets bullpen has definitely been a really big issue, but I'd counter it that by saying David Robertson has been a really bright spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, for what it's worth, you know, but that's it. Like there's nothing else. So it, it stinks, but that's kind of where we're at in Mets land. It's not pretty at all. Steve Cohen had some points this week. He just talked about the stability of the team, how no one's going to be leaving. Buck Showalter is going to be staying. Billy Epler going to be staying. So Lauren, I'm going to pass this to you. What do you think the Mets should do? Do you think it's right to keep Buck Showalter and Billy Epler here for the whole rest of the season?
3: I don't disagree with keeping them for now, but if they don't improve, you have to change something like he doesn't want to be impulsive. I get that. Like, you don't need another George Steinbrenner in the league. You had one. Right. That was great. And you have your long-term goals, and they have the players to win. That's the thing that annoys me the most. They have all these great players. They just can't work together as a team, as you were saying, Owen. And Cohen said that he sees what's happening on the field and what's happening in the clubhouse. And you just you can't just say you're frustrated and not make a change. Like, if you're frustrated, change it. Try and make some wins. And but with that, though, he has plans. And if they don't improve, it's respectable to give them time to like make those changes. You like Cohen tells Showalter, hey, this is what needs to change. Showalter does that. But if that doesn't happen, you have to get rid of him.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I I don't think you change something necessarily this season. If they don't turn it around, they don't make a run in the offseason. I think you end up getting rid of Epler and you get rid of Showalter. I mean, when they brought Billy and he wasn't a great GM with the Angels beforehand, and then he wasn't great here. So I think you give him the trade deadline. I mean, Cohen's going to do almost everything at the trade deadline, most likely. So I think you let them both finish out the year. If they don't make a respectable run at the wild card, I think you got to get rid of both of them and give someone a new, like, the next season, a fresh start with a talented roster. I mean, but even if we look at the trade deadline, there's not much for them to do. They have a lot of big contracts that they might not be able to move off of. And then not a lot of, like, one-year deal type guys besides, like, Tommy Pham, Adam out I mean, you could look at moving those guys, but then if you move guys out of your bullpen, your good bullpen pitchers, then you're really kind of just giving up on the season. So, like, it's kind of a weird spot for the Mets because they don't, they're not really in the position to really give everyone up, but then they also, like, can't kind of keep these guys if they're going to be bad.
1: I think you're 100% right, and I think a lot of that now falls on the two top dogs, Scherzer and Verlander. I mean, they have the biggest contracts, the biggest expectations, the biggest everything for this team. And they're not really performing. I mean, Scherzer gave you a great outing um, last night, but that doesn't really equate to $43 a lot of the time. As much as we want to think that it will, you want those guys to go out there and give you a win in every single outing. I mean, Verlander's coming off of Cy Young. So for a guy to really underperform, anyone's going to be, you know, coming at their necks. But it really is just going to be a, a tough thing that the Mets are going to have to figure out. And the, the Steve Cohen era, there's a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of money's being spent. And it, the expectations are not meeting, you know, the, the price point. So it, it's really tough. And the Mets start their series with the Giants tonight. The Red Hot Giants we'll get into um, with headlines in just a minute. but. And then they're on the road playing the D-backs and the Padres, and then they'll be back home versus the Dodgers. So this is really an NOS test for the Mets um, this next kind of two-week period. We'll see. In my opinion, just make that Dodger series at the end of it at home worth it. You know, make it worth it for the fans to come out and enjoy a game and make it, you know, middle of July we would be at that point, late July. Make it worth something you know, at the end of the day. And that's all that I could really say. I could say, obviously, I'm just going to leave it at that. And the Yankees wrapping up with them, too. They start their series with the Cardinals tonight, and then they'll be back home versus the Cubs and the Orioles, and then going to play the Guardians in Cleveland. And we'll transition over to headlines because there are a lot of headlines around the league, of course, the major one being the perfect game of Domingo Herman, which we covered, but I just wanted to plug WFUV Sports' Ryan Rucco and Justin Shackle, who are both on those calls for those games. And I'm going to actually ask you guys this, because I'm interested. If you're Michael K, right, and Ryan Ruco's is great, Justin Shackle is amazing as well. If you're Michael K. and you missed out on that game, obviously it's Oakland. No one's really expecting a perfect game. No one woke up in the morning. Domingo Armand certainly didn't wake up and think he was pitching a perfect game. But it happened. That's baseball. That's the beauty of it. So in my, I'm going to ask you, Owen, to start. If you're Michael K., are you mad? Are you happy, Farruko? Obviously you're happy. But what's the mindset of Michael K.? I mean, I don't know if you're necessarily mad. You're definitely
2: happy for him. Probably just like... Yeah overall like disappointing. It's like the one week a year he takes off from his show, takes off from calling games and it's a perfect game. And I don't I don't believe he's called one in his career. He's gotten I don't know if it was Ryan Ruka who called the no hitter a few years ago for Corey Kluber. But you in your head his head he's gotta be like, Man, like what a, just the one time I take off all year, even you missed the perfect game. It's definitely gotta be disappointing. But then you're definitely happy for Ryan Ruka who is a young guy and kinda establishing himself. Well, now sure. is established, but.
3: Yes, I agree. Michael K's definitely very happy for Rico and Shackle, but you know he was watching that game, pacing back and forth. He's like, there's no way this is happening, and I'm not there. <laughs> like, of course, they chose the one, like you said, the one week he took off of work is the week Domingo Herman chose to throw a perfect game. Yeah,
1: it, it's it's just so funny. But. Anything else around the league, obviously, that we have to take care of. Otani having a magical, magical season. He leads the MLB in 29 home runs. He has an OPS over 1,066 RBIs. And as a pitcher, he's 7-3, 127 Ks, uh, 95 and a thirds innings pitched. Um, his batting average is higher than his ERF. So that is something you guys have to watch out for as well. 306 to 302. It's just unbelievable what Otani has been doing this year. He's one in a lifetime. You know, Babe Ruth was what he was. But Otani is different. And he's doing it at the highest level. So, Lauren, I'll start with you. Joey Otani, MVP? He's
3: just 100%. He's such a history yeah. maker. It's so much fun to watch him, like, When he struck out the 10 and then hit two home runs in the same game, like, I'm never going to see that again in my lifetime. It's just, what an amazing athlete. Like you said, he's leading the league in home runs. This past June, he's gotten 14 home runs, which is insane. Just absolutely incredible. Like, that's really all the words I could think of.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's going to probably go down as one of the, probably the best player any of us have really ever seen. Uh, Everything he does is extremely profess- uh, pr- pr- uh, impressive, but I mean, he's going to win MVP every year unless something like like Judge, like last year, 62 home runs. It's going to take uh, a record-breaking year from a hitter to even come close. I mean, it, all the way to the end last year was a debate about MVP, and it really one of the biggest reasons Judge won it was just because the record difference. The Yankees were so so much better than the Angels, but if the Angels, if he stays with the Angels, who knows what's going to happen with that. But if he stays to the Angels and they end up becoming competitive and he does this every single year, he's going to win MVP every single year because what he's doing is what we kind of everyone thought was impossible. Even when he first came up, everyone's like, there's no way he's maintaining this. He's going to get hurt. And then he had Tommy John and then he just comes back and just does all this. He's going to be a two time MVP at the end of the year and he's going to get paid six hundred million dollars. I mean, every every game he watches, even when he's on the Angels, who are always disappointing, it's, it's something you have to watch
1: absolutely and yeah coming into the season his price point was at probably 500 million and as you said it's probably bumped up to about 600 now with the performance that he's been putting on for the angels who are six games back they're five games above 544 and 39 they're hanging around and Mike Trout's coming around too for the angels so they're giving otani every reason to stay they won 25 to 1 last week for anyone who didn't see over the rockies that was insane but you know and Otani was one for seven in that game, so the potential's there for the Angels, and uh, there's a lot of lot of good stuff coming out of their organization. And as you said, Owen, he came up in 2018 with a guy, Ronald Acuna Jr. as well, who debuted in that same year, and he is on pace to have another 40 for 40 season. I mean, he, 19 home runs, 51 RBIs, three thirty one batting average. There's just crazy amounts of talent. 36 stolen bases it's it's unbelievable in 80 games played so last year they went you know on this crazy run and Acuna wasn't even in the lineup he was hurt so now the Braves have Acuna back they're looking like one of the scariest teams in baseball what is the ceiling Lauren for the Braves this year with Acuna being so amazing
3: I think it's pretty high. I see them going pretty far into the postseason. I don't know if they're a World Series team. It also depends on like how other like postseason teams play. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the World Series at all, especially with Acuna And the Braves has just been so unstoppable this year that they, they belong in the postseason. They belong in any section of the postseason that they could get. And it was just like so amazing seeing all the talent on their team.
2: Yeah, I mean they're one of the best teams I think we've seen in the last ten years or so. Up, they're gonna be up there with like the twenty eighteen Red Sox team is one of the best. I mean their lineup one through nine is steep. I mean every single guy in their lineup you are you are look like is good. There is no easy out in that lineup, it, and especially for him leading that they won the World Series with Adam what two years ago, and now he's right. thirty six stolen bases. It's not even the All Star break. I mean he could steal sixty bases, forty home runs. It's everything he does is just kind of insane and to think about that they also have Matt Olsen who has uh, I think 27 home runs now like that lineup is just so like deep that I really think for this team it's World Series or bust obviously once you get to the playoffs it's really about who's hot but we haven't seen a a stretch this year where the Braves haven't been hot they won I think they went 14-15 in June winning almost every single game I mean they're just – they're so good, and I, I don't see anyone in the NL who can really compete with them. Dodgers have been disappointing this year. So, I mean, Diamondbacks have been good, but no one is up to that level with the Braves in the NL. It's the playoffs, though. Someone someone can upset them. Phillies went to the World Series last year as a wild-card team. So, surprises happen in baseball all the time.
1: It's only can happen, and Braves are 53-27. and 27. They're just mowing everyone down in sight, seemingly. So, they're another team you got to watch out for obviously and um all the success that they've had as recently oh and you touched on absolutely um luisa rise another quick little note 392 uh 444 on base percentage 385 485 slugging but the average is what we're talking about here um 114 hits and 322 plate appearances for rise he would be the first player since ted williams did it in 1941 to hit over 400 if that happens um he's had a lot of five for five games in there he's been really his metrics are off the charts what he's been able to do and barrel up these baseballs you watch highlights of his games his base hits right back up the middle line drives even the other way so he's he's seeing the ball well and the marlins as a whole are 48 and 34 and they are really kind of a team that's shocked me but arise if he can hit for 400 that I might make him NL MVP just off the bat. We talked about Acuna, what he's been able to do. But, Owen, I'll ask you, if Arise hits 400 this year, who's the MVP? I'm still going to have to go with
2: Acuna. I mean, hitting 400 obviously hasn't been done so long. One of the most impressive things to do, especially in today's game where power kind of rules. But I think everything that Acuna's doing is an all-around player with the home runs and stolen bases, I would say for me. Is more of an MVP for him. It's it's up for a debate though, because you especially how the Marlins season has gone, fourteen games above five hundred. No one really expected that. You they mm-hmm. traded for him this off and no, it wasn't expected to be a huge difference maker just because their roster. Well, no one really expected much of them, but their young rotation. I mean, they're just pulling pitchers out of the farm system that are just throwing, anything. They're just so good, so. He's been. I think it's gonna be one of the best hitting seasons we've seen in a long time. But I don't think he's gonna be MVP.
3: I am actually gonna go with Arise for MVP because I feel like it's kind of like a Judge thing. Like it was the battle between Judge and Otani last year. The Judge got that record. Otani's gonna get four hundred. I I think he's gonna get four hundred, and that just hasn't happened in so long. So I think automatically he will. And like even with his thirty nine RBIs and one hundred fourteen hits just this first half of the season like he also has a lot of all around things at the plate and get that MVP as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um last quick notes, the Giants who the Mets are playing are surging. Uh Mets starting their series with the Giants tonight. Um their records are reversed. So the Giants are 45 and 36, 9 games over 500. Mets are 36 and 45, nine games under 500. So the Giants are surging. They're six and four in their last 10. Uh, They had a 10 game winning streak earlier this month. And since May, they're 34 and 19. So they have been really, really impressive. A lot of people are now picking the Giants to maybe be the team that makes it out of the NL West. You know, the D backs have been amazing this year. The Dodgers have been there. They'll continue to be there, but people are looking to the Giants now. They have a pretty good team, Michael Conforto, J.D. Davis. I mean, Wilmer Flores, Logan Webb, um, Camilo Duvall, and the Rodgers brothers out of their bullpen. I mean, this team can really go on a run, and the NL West its not up for grabs, but there's a lot of competition there. Any of these teams can make it out.
2: Yeah, I mean, the cool. Dodgers, I mean, the Giants, like last year, they were bad. Year before, they were 106 games. So maybe they're doing they're doing some every other year kind of thing right now. But mm-hmm. I've been very surprised to, about them this year. I went and saw I was at the Yankee game opening day, and I, I really didn't expect much from them after seeing that opening series versus the Yankees. I thought maybe they were going to be in around 500 team, maybe a wild card. But what they're doing right now, they're competing in the NLS, which I didn't expect at all. I thought the Dodgers would run away with it. D-backs really young team too so you don't know how long they can sustain their success before kind of not falling apart but young team you're going to run into some issues young hitters so I really think the Giants or the Dodgers can take that division but overall the Giants season has been a surprise for me
3: me too the Giants have definitely like came out of nowhere for me like I remember when Judge the rumors that he was going to go to the Giants my biggest thing was yeah was that like the Giants haven't they don't win, but here they are winning, which is insane. For their last 10 games, they're seven and three, three of those games with seven runs and one with eight. So their hitting's obviously very strong right now. And they're just so hot. They're they're like really, they have a relatively easy schedule until the All Star break, too. So that's gonna like bring them into the second half of the season, like kind of hot and everything. And I think that's just gonna like keep them afloat in this division. I don't know if they'll take the division. I think the Dodgers still have a chance of getting back to their place where they're supposed to be, but even the D-backs have been surprising for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What Corbin Carroll's been able to do in that in D-backs land over there, it's been really special, really, really special. Um, as all of these, you know, headlines always continue to be, and our Mets and Yankees will continue to do their thing. The Yankees probably have their sights set on the World Series now and everything that's gone on, so... We'll continue to keep you updated on Nosebleeds every single week, wherever you get your podcasts. Lauren, Mondaruli, and Owen Kelty. I am Dan Bartels. Thank you guys for tuning in, and tune in next week, as always.